When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Joshua Shaw audio experience. Firstly, thank you for giving me a bit of your attention. I'm honored you trusted me with it, and I promise to return the favor by giving you a ton of edutainment value back. In my newest podcast episode, I share a lesser-known story that involves Martin Luther King Jr., the Coca-Cola company, and arguably the start of corporate social responsibility. But before we get started, I would love if you took 57 seconds out of your day to leave a rating or review on whichever podcasting platform you're currently listening to. This helps me out immensely in terms of extending the reach of my podcast, but more importantly, allows me to make improvements based on your feedback. Thank you again. Now enjoy my newest podcast episode. Have you heard the story of how Coca-Cola gave the white business community of Atlanta an ultimatum to help Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.? So I'm not sure if this unofficial content series will eventually become an official one, but I do want to more frequently share some obscure CPG industry historical stories that I find interesting. And I'm highly motivated to do this, mostly because as every year I grow older and hopefully a bit wiser, I've found it more important to study the American history that they don't teach us in schools. History is an academic subject, but the history of history and how subjective observations become objective truth is rooted deep in marketing strategy. It's vital to remember that before the greatest marketers in the world sold consumer packaged goods, they sold stories that became truth over time. So how exactly did I stumble on this lesser known intersection of the CPG industry and civil rights history? Maybe some of you already know this, but I publish a weekly curated strategic newsletter called Fun CPG, and it's basically one that lives at the intersection of fun and functional CPG. A few editions ago, the published date was on Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and I started to like curiously explore if he had any favorite CPG products that he consumed. While I couldn't find much, I did uncover a letter that MLK had sent to the Coca-Cola company in March of 1965. Now, a bit more search queries that went into the Google machine, and bam, I'm deep down a rabbit hole of American history that I hadn't heard of before this moment. And though the story is extremely interesting by itself, you know me, I want to pack this with as much edutainment value as I can. So I'll also be sharing how this bold move by the Coca-Cola company was a major propellant to an element of corporate social responsibility. So this story starts in October 1964 when the Nobel Committee announced that the 35-year-old Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. had just been awarded the Nobel Peace Prize. And I hate to stop and derail this story so quickly, but how crazy is it that MLK made that much of an impact at such a young age? Maybe it's so astonishing to me because I'm a few years older right now than when he received the Nobel Peace Prize. But even listening again to a lot of his speeches recently, it blows me away just how poised he was, the foresight he had, his confidence, and the ability to really create movement with his voice. 
And maybe it's good that I did detour because I wanted to make sure I pointed out that my glowing thoughts of MLK today are very different than how he was perceived by the American public in the early to mid-1960s. MLK was far from the universally liked person with the Gallup poll at the time hovering around a 40% favorable rating. In fact, when asked which three Americans they had the least respect for in a 1964 Gallup poll, Martin Luther King Jr. came in second. So when news of him winning the Nobel Peace Prize hit the wires of his hometown in Atlanta, Georgia, reactions were mixed. On the one hand, the black community was thrilled. On the other hand, the white community was kind of net negative, but opinions were mostly kept in private. How the world learned about those private thoughts of the white community in Atlanta, and specifically the white business community in Atlanta, was from what happened when the city attempted to organize an unprecedented interracial public dinner reception honoring MLK's achievement in January of 1965. Atlanta mayor at the time attempted to leverage his political clout to turn out the city's white business community, but invitations to attend or sponsor the landmark event were largely ignored by leaders. You even had white business owners politicking around town to urge others not to go, which got the attention of the New York Times that ran a front-page story headlined Tribute to Dr. King Disputed in Atlanta. This caused Atlanta mayor to seek out the most powerful person in town. Now, while he had not been the president of Coca-Cola in a decade, Robert Woodruff guided the Atlanta-based beverage company into a global powerhouse over the 32 years as president. Now, I should also mention that Robert Woodruff remained the chairman until his death in 1985. So we're talking about a major power player globally, not just in Atlanta. Though Robert Woodruff wasn't a particularly liberal or progressive individual, He was relatively open-minded and familiar from global optics of how this would be an embarrassment to the city of Atlanta. So Robert Woodruff asked the current Coca-Cola CEO, J. Paul Austin, to intervene. Now, spending 14 years in South Africa and seeing what apartheid had done to the South African economy, J. Paul Austin was motivated to help Atlanta not go down a similar road. Knowing the power the Coca-Cola company had within the Atlanta economy, J. Paul Austin stated to a group of white businessmen that it is embarrassing for Coca-Cola to be located in a city that refuses to honor its Nobel Prize winner. We are an international business. The Coca-Cola company does not need Atlanta. You all need to decide whether Atlanta needs the Coca-Cola company. The ultimatum worked and the event quickly sold out. Almost 1,600 people attended the dinner, many who had never dined with a member of the opposite race. In the days following, national publications found it remarkable that Atlanta could host a successful dinner and claimed Atlanta has long been one of the South's most enlightened cities. About two months after the event, Dr. King wrote a letter to the Coca-Cola company stating, few events have warmed my heart as did this occasion. It is a testimonial not only to me, but to the greatness of the city of Atlanta, the South, the nation, and its ability to rise above the conflict of former generations 
and really experience that beloved community where all differences are reconciled and all hearts in harmony. Well, I hope you liked that story as much as I enjoyed sharing it, but for this final part of the content, I wanted to kind of shortly talk about the stages of corporate citizenship. Famed business thinker Peter Drucker wrote in the mid-1940s that every business leader has two duties. They are responsible and accountable for the performance of their institutions, but they're also responsible for the community as a whole. Now, some CPG companies during that era, like Johnson & Johnson and Hershey's, were early proponents of it. But I'd argue that this corporate intervention or joining the conversation on social issues to spark change wasn't really done by the largest companies in America until this event that happened with the Coca-Cola company. In the 1970s, academics started talking about this idea of the social contract and corporate social responsibility slowly grew to being essential today. Now, it's almost daily that large corporations are flexing their muscle to galvanize society around issues like gender rights, racial injustice, or environmental concerns. I believe this is a great thing because for all of its flaws, capitalism can also be the most powerful positive change agent in America. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast episode. If you have any comments or questions about anything I discussed during it, open the podcast episode notes and click on any of my social media account links to reach out to me directly. 